Hi, I'm Juliette Root, and welcome to The Juliette Root Show. I'm a board-certified nutritionist, integrative health coach, and master personal trainer. Join me as I interview thought leaders, educators, and health practitioners. Together, we will dive deep into subjects like psychology, science, spirituality, and human optimization. Please subscribe to The Juliette Root Show, and don't forget to rate and review the podcast. To connect with me on a deeper level, follow my Instagram at Juliet underscore root and visit my website, julietroot.com. Remember, information isn't transformation. So get out there and start taking action. Welcome everyone to the WooCast. I'm your host, Juliet Root. And today I have Rohini Marathi, the face behind the quickly growing Magic Inclined community and podcast. Rohini was born into a spiritually driven life in Tehran, Iran, and now lives in California. After a near-death experience that eventually took the life of her young baby girl, Rohini began her self-healing journey. She created her own soul degree with the best teachers in the business, including certifications for Reiki levels one and two with Dr. Eric Rubin, yoga teacher training via Ocean Beach Yoga, clairvoyance training with Leon LeGrant, breathwork training with Ashley Neese, and hypnotherapy training with Marissa Peer. As an Akashic Records specialist, Rohini focuses her work with those who are new on their spiritual path and those who want to become teachers of the Akasha. Her work with the Akashic Records started with channeling messages for clients, but has transitioned into teaching people how to do it for themselves. I am thrilled to have her on the show today, and I just got done uh, watching for the second time her episode on (laughs) Gaia, which... I geeked out over that you got to go on Gaia. So even Thank they're right you. down the street from me, but I've never had an interview on Gaia. So it's so cool. You got, Thank I didn't see the behind the scenes, but, it, but um, you got to actually get interviewed on there. And so yeah. welcome. And thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's my honor to sit with you today. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And I realized, I think I even in my intro, and I'm not even going to correct myself, but this is how life works. I said my old podcast name, but guys, you know, the new podcast is just the Juliet Root Show. I just had my, <laughs> my, my own metamorphosis. And it's hard for me to even know my new name because I said the WooCast for, for a year and a half. But yeah, so uh, we all have our, our transformations and I'm in, in a current one of mine of just kind of realigning with this podcast. <laughs> nice. That's exciting. Yeah, but <laughs> that whole the script was a habit before. So yeah, I gotta create this new habit break. of the Juliet Root <laughs> Show. Yeah, so yeah. share with me. Okay, first, I'm curious what your path before your path kind of chose you. It seems like to go mm-hmm. into this spiritual teaching and Akashic records. Uh, what was your path before? What did you think that you were gonna do <laughs> as a career? Well, I mean, as a child, um, I knew that I was going to be doing something spiritually. I was born in like a, into a Hindu temple. And my father told me from the beginning that that's my life's work. (laughs) And, um, they prayed for me and like all that stuff, you know? So I feel like for a long time, I believed that's what I was going to do. Um, but then when we moved to the U.S., like I rebelled against it as much as I could because I saw, whoa, life is different. Because I like, just imagine living in a temple being so like in that bubble of just like yoga, sauna, like it's very um, like the daily routine is very strict. You have to do all these things and, you know, like you have to um, follow these rules or whatnot. So moving out of that and seeing how people live was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Maybe I (laughs) don't want to do that. And, um, when I dove into like, just, I don't know, like kind of grounding into the world and what it is, is when I look back at it, that's what was happening. Cause it's like, how are you going to go into a world of spirituality if you don't even understand the world you live in? Cause that's like the most important aspect of it. Um, so in a way that's what I was doing. And during those, those times, um, I didn't really, I wasn't that kid who's like, I'm going to be this when I grow up, I knew that I liked working with animals and plants. <laughs> and, um, in high school, I was inspired by my English teacher and I'm like, maybe teaching is my route. Cause I love that, like sharing information, but it was always open-ended for me. I went to college, like thinking I would be a teacher, but always kind of knowing like, 
probably not going to do this. <laughs> you know, Just went through the little steps, knowing that what I need to do, what I'm supposed to do, what I want to do will reveal itself at some point. Yeah. And so you were <laughs> born in Iran, but you, your family moved to India? Well, we lived in Iran, but we traveled all around India throughout my childhood. Since my father was a Pujari, like we would go to different temples. He would guest speak at like so many different temples. We traveled all the way up and down. So we lived in both places really at the same time while I was growing up. <laughs> and then how old were you when you made it to the U.S.? I was eight years old when we made it here. In 1989, um, third grade, we moved here. And it was like a really long journey here. It was not an easy thing to do. Because I don't know if for your listeners who have been through living in a country where there's like um, a revolution, you know, like you can't leave when government stuff like that happens. So you're pretty much stuck. If you don't leave like right at the beginning, you're stuck. And that's what happens to a lot of people. And that's what happened to us. So we were stuck there for a really long time. And finally in like 89, um, we were able to get paperwork to go to India, to get paperwork, to go to Dubai, to get paperwork, to be able to come to America. It was like a really big, crazy thing, but it, it worked and we made it here. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible to think about your parents and yeah, what they had. Brave. Yeah. The bravery <laughs> to do all of that and to go through all of that. And to bring you to where you are today on the, you know, so um, I would love to know a little more about though, if you have memories from that, like zero to seven period of our life is such a, as you know, doing hypnotherapy with people, Mm -hmm. that is such a integral part of our development. So for you having your development be such a spiritual path, what do you remember Mm -hmm. when you were little around that connection you had with spirituality? Well, I remember, I remember a lot, actually. I remember more from my childhood than I do in my teenage years, which is really funny. <laughs> which is the opposite for most people because yeah. many people have no idea what happened in their childhood. It's have these like little bits and pieces or these defining like traumatic moments maybe that come to them, but not mm. a lot. No, I mean, I was, um, I always feel so privileged when I say this, but I had like a really great childhood. I was really happy. So a lot of my memories are just like laughing and um, just doing silly things. But at the same time, the one thing that really stuck with me that I like talking about is the community that I grew up in because we lived at the temple. We were the only family that lived there. But like um, every every weekend, like maybe Sunday kind of, you know, I don't really actually know what day it was, but We'd, we would have all our community come, we'd cook big meals, we'd do yoga asana, there'd be like, you know, discussions and all that stuff. I just remember being around so many people that were just like exploring their inner world where there's just, I don't know, it just felt like a lot of love. And that's the part I think about um, when I think about my upbringing. The, my upbringing was so polarized though, because we had that, but at the same time, right outside of our window, it's just like, a war going on. Um, we lived through the Iran-Iraq war, which is one of the scariest things. You just see bombs dropping everywhere. And at the same time, we're just like in our little temple, (laughs) chanting and, and doing yoga, sauna, and like, I don't know, hearing like all the Krishna stories and things like that. But, um, specific memories, it's hard to just like choose one. Um, what was that you know, like coming over? The what? Sorry. When, so then go ahead. I interrupted you and you, oh, you found no, no, the memory. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like coming over to America? Well, yeah. So then you have the zero to two seven. You're in these communities with all this love and this spiritual practice. And then you come yeah. to the Western world and it's so different here. Yeah. I mean, at first it was like really, really exciting. Um, I was so sad to be away from my family. And I think that's, what really took the foreground of everything. Like my grandparents were two of my most favorite people and my nanny growing up. Um, my grandparents is like housekeeper who was also my nanny. So leaving them was just like, it was really sad. Um, but I was also really excited because living in Iran, like most Iranians will tell you who grew up in Iran that they were in love with America. And like, they, like, they just like, it, 
it's their dream to like come and see what it's like here, you know? <laughs> so uh, in that sense, I was just really excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to watch TV. Like I didn't watch TV when I was a kid. We weren't doing that stuff. Not that people in Iran don't, but in our temple, we weren't, you know? So like we had this tiny little television side note, like my parents and I came here with $300 in our pockets. Everything we had just like hand me down or like found or something. We had this tiny little television with these like, huge antennas that you'd have to put like foil on and like um move into the exact position to get like the reception to like you know intercept the waves to be able to watch whatever and we would watch who's the boss and it was like the most joyous thing to me i was like oh my gosh we're watching american television (laughs) now did you speak english to understand or did did you start learning when you came here yeah i started learning when i came here the only word i knew was apple i used to take english classes in iran but it wasn't it's different when you're like go to the country you're like uh okay i i do not know how to talk to you at all <laughs> so i was pretty much mute in a way for like 2 years after moving here and just trying to learn um how to talk to people i was in esl with the other esl kids who also couldn't talk so we just like communicated through like hey yay wow. <laughs> just like body language stuff which is really interesting yeah what an experience <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> it was an experience. And so yeah. you kind of strayed away from that spiritual path for a little while. And I know you ended up in the music industry. I did. Yeah. Doing a for... uh, rock star life. <laughs> <laughs> for quite some time, for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, I, st- oh, I started making friends with a lot of different musicians in high school just because like I liked the weirdo crowd a lot more and I definitely did not fit the mold for like the cool kids. So I found my little space with like the rebels, the musicians and um, fell in love with that expression of um, sharing frequency in a way, you know, like when you're playing music and if, and when you are like in a practice space with other people who are just like putting their expression out through sound and you're doing the same and it just like works so perfect. There's just like, I don't know. It's, it's blissful to be in that. So I fell into that for a decade and I had a blast. It was awesome. I got to travel all around the country. I got to meet some of like the coolest people. Um, I partied way too hard, which was amazing. And I loved it. (laughs) Wouldn't do it again, but it was really awesome. (laughs) Then um, when I was you know, in my thirties kind of toned it back and got married and had kids and chose a career, I guess. But, um, yeah, it was the music, 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 I believe saved my life. (laughs) Yeah, I think it does for a lot of people. Like you said, it's this way of expressing feelings in, in a, in not through just words, but through, like you said, sounds and frequencies and feeling. Right. Yeah. So often, you know, you might not remember what somebody says, but you know how something made you feel. Yeah. And music is very much like that. And I can say the same for myself in my teenage years when I was going through some of the most difficult times that music really saved my life and just putting my headphones on and listening to different bands and connecting with just the feelings of the songs. Cause I don't even think at the time I, could comprehend what the lyrics were because I was too young to really understand. <laughs> now, when I look back in some yeah. of that music and I really, I listen to the lyrics, I'm like, oh my gosh, like those, are, those were way over my head when I was like, <laughs> you know, in my like emo tween and teen phase, listening to totally. all this like rock music. But, uh, but I felt like there was this like resonance that I could, somebody got me, you know, and, yeah. and that was like, and I felt seen in a way that I wasn't feeling seen from the people around me. So music has, is so powerful in that way. Yeah. So vibes are real. They really, they really are. <laughs> and then people say, Oh, I'm not, you know, intuitive. I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel that, but it's like, we are all feeling that all the time. It's just, I don't think that totally. we give ourselves enough credit and recognize what, what it is. I know yeah. I t- still do that where I'm not recognizing the power that is just, sensing and feeling and we are intuiting like all day every day basically like yeah. we're tuning forks all of us yeah exactly <laughs> um so 
one of the things that got me so excited to have you come on the podcast is that you had a near-death experience. I have been calling in somebody on the podcast who has had a, an NDE, near-death experience. And I would love it if you could share with the listeners what that was like for you. And I know that was a big part of this transformation into doing what you do now. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, it's, I didn't, I honestly didn't even know it was a near death experience until late, like years later when someone's like, oh, that was a near death experience. What you're describing. I'm like, what? <laughs> no. They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well now that's weird. <laughs> now had you had time to, like, had you ever heard of like NDEs before? And you know, I've kind of, yeah, totally. I've heard of near death experience, but I just didn't think that's what was happening at the time because, um, I don't know, like I, I, I've talked to a lot of people, so I'm sure like a lot of your listeners also possibly may have had an experience like when you're a kid and you don't feel like you're in your body and like, you know, you're playing and you can see yourself sometimes. I don't know if you've ever had any experience or like that. So it didn't, no, <laughs> so no it didn't I'm, seem I'm like, no, nope, I wish in a way that I could, you know, I could say yeah. I've had some sort of astral projection experience where, you know, mm-hmm. where I was out of my body. My father told me about an experience he had when he was, you know, in his early 20s with that. But I've never had that for myself. Yeah. Well, so what happened for me was um, I went into labor with my daughter, Rishi, and um, we so on her due date, I was so adamant to bring her like into the world and meet her because I was just I was so excited. Like I, I, I don't know, like the whole time I was pregnant, I felt like I knew her and there was just this thing, right? I'm like, I just need to meet you now. Hurry up. Come on. And a lot of mothers have this feeling. It's not, um, it's not a weird one, but, um, I was walking all day on her due day, going up and down the stairs. And finally, like after like an hour and a half of doing that. And it's really tough doing that with a giant belly (laughs) for that long. So after like an hour and a half of doing it, um, I went into my mother-in-law's house. That's where we worked. She had stairs in the middle of San Francisco. Like she lived in an apartment building. Um, And my water broke. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. So we started going, um, heading to the hospital. And I noticed in the car, like, like I started having a lot of pain, like with my contractions and that's normal, but like the levels went from like zero to like a thousand really quickly where my husband couldn't even like drive over a little pebble on the street or just be like, (gasps) like, so we were driving like as slow as we possibly could, who knows, like four or five miles an hour in San Francisco, which you can imagine people were not very happy about. Luckily it was at nighttime where there wasn't as much traffic, (laughs) but we got to the hospital and the nurse was excited. She's like, okay, we have your room ready. Yay. Everything looks good. I'm like, um, I'm in so much pain after like a few, I don't know, like half an hour being there. Um, like I'm in so much pain. Can I get some assistance, you know? And I wasn't planning on having any pain medication. Um, but it was like really bad. Yeah. Like it felt like I felt nauseous. It was just like really bad. And the nurse like, let's just wait a little bit longer. You know, let's just, you know, don't push it yet. Just hold on, you know, feel it out. Your emotions are high. You're excited. We don't need to go like straight to that wrap, which was, I really appreciate actually. And, um, a few, like maybe like 10 minutes at, Oh no, she was like sitting at the bed with me and, uh, my mom and my mother-in-law walk into the room And as soon as they walked in, it has nothing to do with them, but like, I lost my breath completely. Like I couldn't breathe. I was like, like I was trying to push out and pull in and it just wasn't happening. And the, um, my heart rate dropped to below comfortable, like almost instantly. And so did the babies, like all the beeping started and the nurse was like, Oh my gosh, what's happening? Like she freaked out. She brought me an oxygen mask. I'm like, I can't. She brought me an oxygen mask and the mask was like, it felt like it was suffocating more than Mm. not having it. So I couldn't even wear the mask. It was a really strange feeling. Um, So at this point, like her face just like drops color and she like moves everybody 
my husband can't even come with me and she like rushes me to the c-section room um emergency c-section room and like there's like three other nurses or something there i can't remember exactly and like a doctor and they're looking for an anesthesiologist they can't find one and everyone's panicking and i'm just like laying there uh like frightened not breathing and all of a sudden i see myself laying there and um as they're panicking they're like yelling at me to get off this bed to go into the other bed and i can't move my body like i'm not in my body i'm above it so i'm like uh what (laughs) you you have like an aerial view of your body and all of these people in the room yep yep they're screaming at me and at the same time when i have this aerial view i'm feeling like absolute love and connection and i'm looking at myself and i'm like what a sweet person. Like I've never felt so much love for myself and the people around me. I just kind of noticing how it's, they're all in the same situation doing this, like same thing. They're all part of this one, like little happening being that made this like expression in this world, you know? And it just like, it felt like, wow. Okay. Me watching myself, me being there, Um, and not having that panic with me there is changing that expression of panic around me a little bit. Eventually they got me onto the other bed and, um, I don't know how long that was, but I wasn't, um, in that bed for very long. I think my breath finally came back or something happened where all of a sudden I'm back in my body and the theologist is there and they're just like, um, giving me the injection on my spine. I'm like breathing and I'm feeling fine and really excited and just like full of so much love really. And this feeling of love felt like, I don't know, like a waterfall that I couldn't wash off. And my husband was in at this time. Um, Rishi's born like within five minutes after receiving the um, anesthesiology, like, like the, you know, the shot and I just remember holding her and it's like the most profound thing of love added to that, like noticing of oneness. I don't know how else to describe it, but it felt like to be a witness of the connection of everything. It put, it was like, it was a very magical moment as you can imagine. Um, but I was, I didn't realize that that was a strange thing until way later when I was processing everything. Um, now, did they I ever know breathe. what happened to you? Why you couldn't breathe? Did they? No. <laughs> the doctors came and talked to me like several times in the next few days that I was there. They're like, we're trying to figure out what happened. And they kept testing Rishi to make sure she's okay. Cause her, you know, her heart rate dropped below <laughs> comfort zone. When she came out, she didn't make a sound. And then they had to like make her um, make a sound. And she did. But they they kept checking on her to be like, everything seems totally normal. We have no idea what happened. They just didn't know. Um, what's really strange, though, is like in the next few months to come, like Rishi would fall asleep on me. Like I would just, I'd just be holding her and I'd look down and like she wouldn't be breathing where I had to like shake her like, hey, and then she would come back. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was terrifying. And when I took her to a pediatrician, they're like, no, it's fine. It's nothing. And eventually, like, I feel like it was a premonition of what was to come because eventually, like, her life was cut short. Like, she stopped breathing in the middle of the night when she was sleeping and just never woke up one day. So it's just, I don't know. Like, I, I go through that so many times well, in my and head. You had, had, if you um, want to let the listeners know about this premonition that yeah. an astrologer had shared with you when you went, went back to India with your husband, mm-hmm. right? On a trip? How many years yeah. prior to reach? Was right, right before we got pregnant with her, actually. Uh-huh. So we went on this trip. Um, so that my daughter, like, was so, I don't know, she, she got, she gets to hang out with all her family here, my husband's family and everyone. And I just have like my parents and my siblings. So I was just like feeling like my daughter needs to like see my culture, like how I grew up and just wanted to share a part of myself with her. Unfortunately, it's not easy to take Americans to Iran. So I'm like, okay, let's go to my second home. We went to India and my mom's like, if you're going to India, go to Rishikesh and get an astrology reading. That was like her fun thing to do. 
And she's she's like, don't take it seriously. Like they always say different things. Like, don't worry, you know, don't worry about it. Um, but we saw this astrologer in Rishikesh who didn't do like premonition stuff per se. Like what he did was he would go back to your timeline up to this point. And he kind of confirmed everything, like the path that we had been on so far. So it was kind of strange. I'm like, that is true. That is what happened. And for me, like astrology is like really fun and cool and everything, but I've never like based my life on it or anything like that. You know, it's just like, oh, it could be true. It could not be. And you, you, can, know? Make, and, you can make any kind of sign sound yeah. like your sign and that applies to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I always perceived it, you know? And, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And at the end, we were like, okay, we have one more question for you. Do you see like in our future, like a baby or whatever? And then he was just like, just so apprehensive about giving future predictions of which I really respect actually. But he was like, okay, let me just take a look. Um, And he's like, I see like this little line. It's a very short, faint line. It looks like if you, if you were to have another child, uh, it may be a girl, like I don't know though, like, you know, but I don't know what the faint line, short line means. Like he, he didn't say she wouldn't live ever again or whatever, anything like that. But it, thinking back on it now, like it makes sense. But in the moment it was just like, oh, maybe he's just, you know, like he doesn't want to give me a future thing, you know? Sure. So, but that night, it, like something changed um, between my husband and I, cause we, were, we just wanted one child. We weren't, we didn't want a big family really. And it was just kind of a fun question we asked, but this thing like woke up within us. We were like, Oh my God, maybe we do want to add to our family. We're just like crying. And um, I called my mom like, yeah. Cause then at that, I don't know. I'm saying like, um, I didn't perceive it that way, but like thinking back, sorry, I'm all over the place, but like thinking back now, there was like the, an aspect of like, maybe she won't live that long if we do have a baby or whatever, you know? And then I called my mom and she's like, don't believe everything astrologers tell you. It's just for fun. Just remember that it's for fun. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) But the one thing that came out of it was we do want to add to our family. So like Rishi was born like 10 or 11 months after that reading. Um, So it helped it helped bring her to the world. And I honestly think she came to this world and she's changed so many people's lives, just her story and like the impact she has. So in a way maybe, and this is all like assumptions and made up in my head, who knows, because I think about this stuff a lot, but maybe she came, like it was her push, you know, to go to India and to like see the astrologer and bring her here. Who knows? Because like, it was like three in the morning when I was looking at, at tickets to India. I was like out of nowhere. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like a big planned thing. It was three in the morning. And then like two weeks later, we were in India. It wasn't just like, and then you let's conceived her like very shortly thereafter. Yeah. 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 So for you, you said, you know, you don't take a lot of stock into people giving like future predictions and whatnot, but with you now being able to read the Akashic records and that's what you do with people. Are, is that, and I don't know too much about, I've had a reading done before and it was mostly about my past lives yep. than anything mm-hmm. having to do with what like the future holds yep. for me. So how does that work for you? Is it mostly digging into people's pasts, their present, their future, all of it? Yeah. I mean, that's all available. So the Akashic records are really just like it, the, Kasha is the fabric of the universe. It's everything pre-manifestation. And once like it goes into manifestation, you know, that energy turns into another version of pre-manifestation and so on and so forth. Right. So within, within this fabric, there are like frequencies sewn in throughout time and different ways of living being. And what we're really doing is we're going to like the patch, which is like the soul of a specific person or event or whatever occurrence. Um, and we're looking to see what comes up, what, what, what has been fed um, most often throughout different lifetimes and how that could possibly have an effect on the future. So in a way, um, yeah, we could be digging in the past. We can be digging in the present. We could even make assumptions about the future based on 
past and present um, situations. But really, to be honest with you, like when I think in the beginning, when I started learning about the Akasha and the Akashic records, I was thinking of it as like um, in a very fundamentalist way where it's like um, there are these rules. This is what you have to do. And it's all about untangling the past, healing, 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 healing. Like it was just like all about that stuff. And as I'm learning more, I realized that um, like this is this modality has been around since the beginning of time. A lot of ancient civilizations just naturally use it because they understand how to listen to nature and connect with the truest part of themselves. Like that's what all these studies are like Buddhism, like Taoism, like uh, Hinduism, all the isms, you know, <laughs> it's going deep within yourself and just like aligning so that you can listen to the most inner parts of yourself and see what comes up so you can untangle that way. And that's what the Akasha really is. It's the most inward presence of the self and the way we can use it to make it um, more magical is to incorporate the idea of oneness and all into our practice like how can i serve my community and the people around me the best way today how can i you know think about the whole collective picture rather than what is one thing that happened in my past that's going to affect my future like what is one thing that i'm carrying that i can like maybe let go of that will that will positively affect the the people around me including myself like yeah. i think it's that perception thing that um gets lost and well i think that that's something that we especially living in the western world we are taught to feel very separate from one another yeah and mm -hmm. to feel like this level of scarcity that yep. we need to be focused on ourselves and not going inward to be supporting humanity it's really you go inward to heal yourself right and it's yeah. all about self 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 and not self with the capital s self just <laughs> you know like the egoic totally. <laughs> the egoic self of you know i'm just trying to like survive get by and kind of climb yeah. the ladder of like am i of this you know quote unquote success um and to do what you think you are supposed to do never really you know thinking about how we are interconnected with all of the other humans on this planet. And even more than that, interconnected to the planet itself, that we are an extension of nature, right? Yeah. And it's really hard even for my for myself as I've been going through this, like I've only been on a real spiritual path for like two years of just a, a lot of contemplation and different mm -hmm. meditations and exploration. And it's still really hard for me to feel that like I can conceptualize yeah. these things and I could say yes we're all part of nature and like you know <laughs> but to to feel that to really know it as this truth mm -hmm. is hard to grasp because there's so many layers of programming that yeah. I have <laughs> we all have <laughs> yeah we've all been like pinned against each other and there's competition you know and that's what's like really separating us is that aspect and it's 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 seriously a root chakra problem not to be that person oh yeah but it is that safety like where there's like this dangling carrot of money that really is separating all of us because it's like i we're just trying to survive and live when really in reality like even if we didn't have that money like and we went in the woods or whatever like we would live we would figure out how to live so it's really it's yeah it's the whole competition thing and yeah well we've just been shown and taught this is what you want yeah exactly that's why a lot of like different rishis and rishis are um sages who renounce like all maya like all earthly items and go and meditate for the rest of their life there are a lot of rishis still in in rishikesh or in india but a lot of them a lot of them were like doctors or like lawyers and like at a certain age they're like you know i don't want to live in this material world i'll just give everything away and they'll go meditate for the rest of their lives in different parts of the mountain on holy sites but that's kind of that's the realization that comes 
with understanding the oneness with nature and um, the interconnectedness. And that's kind of a scary thing for a lot of people to be like, well, I mean, I need all these things to be able to live. Right. So if I just give up and go in the mountains, um, what am I really living for at that point anyway? Like what are, what is the purpose of life if I don't have these things? <laughs> and yet, even with all those things, that question still arises. What yeah. is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? Because yeah. I have all these things and I don't feel... I don't feel good. I don't feel good with all this. Yeah. And it doesn't change anything. Like the more money you have, that inside feeling doesn't change, you know? So when does it change? How can people... Maybe feel- it's not supposed to change. Maybe it, Maybe it's supposed to be like... Maybe the whole purpose of it is the contemplation and sitting with oneself and being able to be uncomfortable instead of trying to feed the uncomfort and like stuff it down. You know, maybe it's okay if we're like uncomfortable. (laughs) Not that you have to be uncomfortable all the time or anything, but you know, those moments where it's like you've, or I don't mean to be projecting, I feel sad or I feel like I don't want to deal with an emotion and I'll go eat like ice cream to like, make myself feel better, but that never makes myself feel better. It just like adds ice cream to my belly and I have a belly ache and I feel sad. And it's just like, sure. You can't make feelings go away. Sure. That's the thing. Well, you got to like, experience the yummy, tasty ice cream, you know? It's so. true. It's true. It's true. But that feeling's still there. That wasn't like the solution for the problem. Yeah. I do think that I we just... try to push feelings away a lot because we associate them with being them being bad or wrong and that Mm -hmm. discomfort is not okay. And that we're supposed to always be striving to be comfortable or to feel pleasure or just feel pleasant. And the reality (laughs) is like, that's all well and good. We can, when we have those things, but it's like very much like these waves of, you know, waves of pleasure, waves of pleasantry, waves of ecstasy and then you've also got other kinds of waves too of anger of sadness of despair of you know what's the one in covid every languishing that's a new that's one that keeps coming up now with for people you know um Mm -hmm. but it's like all a part of being can you like sit with all of those things and not let them overtake you and identify with all of them that's the thing for me that has been the most helpful is and with my with with yoga, actually, like this practice, that's such a practice um, when, uh-huh. you know, of being able to see that you are not those things. Yeah. Uh-huh. That they are that you're not attached to those experiences. They are simply just a part of human experience and being able to be the witness of that. Yeah, that is the magic, honestly, because like, as you said, it's it's all waves, right? And the waves of happiness can go really high. And if they go really high, then they're bound to go very low. Same with anger, joy. Like there's always the opposite spectrum, like with with a meditation practice or any kind of practice that makes you go inward, whether it be painting, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be meditation, you know, but anything that makes that helps you go inward to become some type of observer keeps you in the middle of that wave. So even if the waves are going up and down, you're viewing them from the middle instead of like riding the roller coaster and you know, with your cortisol level constantly going up and down and that affects your heart health and that affects like the rest of your body. Like, it's just like staying in that center because no, you're like now seeing, oh, well, this is going to happen, but that means like, it'll be over soon. The wave's going to be over soon. And then I'm probably going to go into like a depressed state, but I'll watch that happening too. And, you know, like, I don't know how to explain that better, but it's the wave is pretty much the core of any spiritual teaching. It's like teaching you to be in the middle part of that wave instead of the high or the low or, you know, yeah, not chasing that. And I, th- yeah. you know, I think about <laughs> that a lot for me because I chase intensity quite mm. often in my life. Just, you know, it feels that the, the intensity of pleasure feels just so yeah. good. And so that's been practice and just being a witness to that being something that I have learned to do in my life is kind of go chasing mm-hmm. that. Like it has to be intense. It has to be like <laughs> the best, you know, and we're also really socialized that way. Even, mm-hmm. you know, I notice myself doing it when it's like picking a movie on Netflix. It's like, no, I need to pick 
the best one right now. Like it can't just be any of these. What's the best one, right? And it's like that's something that we have just been so socialized to to yeah. do in all ways, right? Even when mm-hmm. it comes to picking, you know, a spiritual teacher or a therapist, or it's like who has the best credentials, who has the, you know, who's the best? And it's like <laughs> it's silly when you really think about it because it's you know it's and, na- and also nature, it's, though, it's true know? we, we kind of just... like size ourselves up and want want to have you know what's best for us but at the same time you have to look at where that's like in out of balance too yeah and, it was an obsession yeah i would love to hear how do you interpret or describe the soul to your students Well, I mean, so many different ways, but early on. So the first year, I would say that I really fell into learning about the Akasha. I was listening to a lot of other people's teachings and whatnot. And at a certain point, it exploded my brain. I was like, I can't. I can't. There's so much conflicting information. Like, what's the truth? Blah, blah, blah. And a lot of it was starting to sound like culty kind of, you know, just like rubbing me the wrong way. I'm like, I can't. I just can't go down that road where you're taking me outside of myself anyway. So at that point, when I felt like I was being taken outside of myself and being fed, um, I decided to like disengage with all outside information and actually go inward. Like, isn't that like the whole purpose of it anyway? So I spent like a whole year and still, still, but one very intense year of just really going inward, like just cutting off from social media, any, like I would not take any outside information in for that year and just meditated. And one of the questions I asked was about the soul, but it was in relation to Rishi and like my connection with her. And that's when I was like shown this thing. So I can only describe it based on that. And it like, none of this stuff's definite. And I know that when we are in this human body, we will never know the truth. There's, there, it's just, we're not meant to. <laughs> it's okay to not know everything. But the way I see a soul is like the whole universe, the whole entire being of every single planet, star, whatever, is one source of energy. Like it's just one huge magnetic field of energy and this magnetic field of energy gets broken down into like condensed parts. Um, and these condensed parts have different vibrational frequencies within them. And I really think planets are the same way too. Like every planet is like a, is a tiny little atom in like a bigger picture. And with every planet, like that's that planet carries a vibrational frequency that's also broken down into the smaller pieces within it, like the trees, the um, animals, the humans. And while we are a part of this bigger frequency, we all carry our own and add our own expression to it. So the way I describe the soul is we're an expression of a vibrational frequency that has been growing throughout time. And time, you know, like really doesn't exist, but like we keep adding to our frequency based on our experiences. And as we add to our frequency, we output different frequencies. And that's what creates like the bigger vibrational frequencies that impact everybody else. So it's just, I I don't know if that that's a good description or not. I used to just say <laughs> we're, we're balls of energy, but as I see it more and more, and like, I keep looking more and more inward and like, and noticing the way I react after something happens to me and the, what I put out into the world and what I put out into the world, um, affecting whoever caught wave of that, you know, and how it, it grows and expands the way I see a soul now is just like a little wave particle of uh, vibrational frequency. <laughs> yeah. I think where it gets a little confusing and this goes back to kind of how we want to like have these separate identities and like have these, these lives that are so meaningful, which I think is amazing. We should all have lives that we want to be very meaningful. And yeah, they are. Everyone's. Yeah. (laughs) 
is when, especially in spiritual teachings, and this is almost like trendy in a sense to this, this idea mm-hmm. that we like create our own reality and can like manifest mm-hmm. all these things. And it's like, you're living almost like you're in, you're the universe, you're the world. Right. And then everybody yeah. else mm-hmm. is playing like, uh, a role a in your role. movie and you're you know so like which at first when I heard that it sounded very like exciting in a yeah. sense right and then when I thought about it it's like then it sounds kind of lonely in a sense because yeah. it's like wait so I'm the only one that exists and everybody yeah. is just this like almost like a figment of my imagination so, so sad. <laughs> it is sad. <laughs> Rather than thinking of like we are like co-creating all together as these, you know, individual particles of something like yeah. much greater and that we all impact one another. I'm not just impacting mm-hmm. the whole fucking universe, which is really kind of yeah. like this very selfish perspective. Yeah. But this is where stuff like this, especially in spirituality and Thank you for saying that you like took a break because it's something that I've been thinking about for myself um, because I have felt so influenced by all of these different teachings and to the point where I have, I feel disillusioned in a way and I feel really almost like I want to go back to being asleep after feeling like I had this big wake up and hence the name change of this podcast (laughs) why it's no longer being called the woo cast because i really want to expand my 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 own show to not just talk about spirituality and uh all of these theories and concepts and i want to be able to have a plethora of stuff on the show that interests me and not box myself in but i'm really in have been in a place where i feel disillusioned by a lot of different teachings because i see how like you're saying sometimes things feel a little like they go into the cultish side and it's dogmatic (laughs) and uh so it's like well what do i actually believe for myself because what we're often seeking is still somebody else almost like some father figure to tell us like what to do and show us the way and uh, i'm in a place where i'm like i don't want any more i'm i'm good i've done a lot and i want to just like go inward and listen to my heart and what my what is supposed to be right for me right now. So thank you for saying that because it's very timely for what I'm currently going through. My pleasure. I feel like a lot of people are going through that though, you know, because the pandemic kind of lifted the veil on reality a bit and everything we thought, like our governments, whatever, like these layers of protection um, weren't really there. And it also, I feel like um, opened up I mean, for some, not for everyone, opened up the perception of how connected we really are. Like something happens around the world and it's affecting the entire planet, you know? So (laughs) the people don't want to believe that, but that is really what happened. Yeah. Well, then the crazy thing is like when you don't, when, when the veil gets lifted like that and you no longer have certain structures that you relied Mm -hmm. on to kind of keep you in this certain reality that you've been trusting and believing for X amount. And it's almost like we're in a a new dimension (laughs) and all of us, we are, it feels that way. All of a sudden now we are waking up and feeling scattered. And, you know, you hear spiritual teachers talk about like, you know, we're in a very like masculine uh, way of life, you know, masculine energy was leading. And now there's this feminine wing kind of unfolding. Uh And it's so interesting, which is chaotic and, you you know, and not doesn't have as much form to it. So I'm curious, where do you how do you feel about like where we are as like with humanity and where we're where we are headed right now? Well, I I feel um, what really happened was a lot of our root got shook, you know, our grounding got shook and we don't know where to put our feet down right now. I think that's what's happening. I don't think anything has really changed like with the 3D to 5D talk and all that stuff. I don't think anything like that has changed. I think it's just like a slow evolution that humans and the planet will go through. But I think what's happened is people have realized that they don't have the safety net that they thought they had, which was actually never there. It was an illusion, you know? Um, 
So now it's become scary. Um, We don't know how to move forward and we're taking in what anyone will say to comfort ourselves. And that's the scary part because there are a lot of people going out there now saying anything really to grab, to do like a huge money grab. That's what the basis of a lot of this stuff is, you know, like all the dimensional talk or like, I don't know. It's really great to connect with one's intuition, really go inward to like get familiar with this spiritual aspect of the self. But those teachings aren't going to come from someone who just learned about spirituality. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it seems yeah. like that's what's happening. And out you're there. right. When we're trying to grasp for comfort right now and we're trying to grasp for certainty right now Mm -hmm. and so when somebody is saying come here come join me and you know in our community and i know what is happening on the planet right now i'll be able to give you predictions i'll be able to tell you what to do and of course you know who doesn't who doesn't want to feel comforted and like there's somebody who knows better and can be like here let me show you the way but at the same time, we have to have a lot of discernment with with stuff like that. And that's where your intuition really works. So, yeah. you know, the vibe thing we were talking about, like that vibe thing is real. The red flags that come up, like when we're like, ooh, that that's kind of weird, but it's OK. Everyone else seems to like this person. Maybe I'll still keep going, you know, like little red flags are just really huge indicators in my opinion so, i've ignored so many of them yeah and i've fallen into like so many weird situations because of it but cutting it off honestly and for your listeners for everyone like you are enough you are perfectly fine right now and you need to you don't need to force healing you don't need to, it's just gonna naturally happen like you know we're gonna be Go having our ups and we're going to have our downs when, when we are, when we notice something that is a pattern in our life, then we can go in and like remedy it somehow. But you don't have to like search for healing because you're feeling discomfort right now. And feeling discomfort is very valid. You are okay to feel this discomfort because the world just like got shaken up hard. And one thing you should just know is that no matter what, you're going to be okay. You really are. And I know it's a hard thing to believe um, because there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of like uncertainty, but there always has been, you know, yeah, always has been. There always, there always has been that. Yes. That actually really comforts me when I think about that. I'm like, gosh, I'm really happy. I don't live in the middle ages, you know, like just to think about the past and different eras and, you know, different ways of living and society and, at the same time, like we have like, you know, all these creature comforts and all this technology and all this like safety that we've never had before as, you know, yeah. as a society. And yet there we are still coexisting with all this really scary stuff and all this uncertainty. At the end of the day, I think when people are really disconnected from anything that is spiritual, then they are really that that level of fear of the unknown and the uncertainty is so much is much more challenging to cope with Mm -hmm. if you don't have some sort of faith or deeper level of understanding that, you know, we are a part of something way bigger. And that, like you said, like, you're okay. Like you're going to be okay. Um, And And one, one huge, I'm sorry, if you don't mind me adding this, but one huge discernment indicator that really helped me was when you are looking for comfort, when you're seeking answers, when you're going into these communities, ask yourself one thing. And the only question you really have to ask is, is it bringing me closer to myself or is it taking me out of myself? Because that is your discernment. That's pretty all discernment really is. You know, it's just, is it going to take you away from who you are and make and try to make you into something different? Ooh, run. If Or is it bringing you closer to who you are so you can realize and become friends with your soul? You know, um, what? that's a big difference. Yeah. And so uh, how do you, as we're coming towards the end of the show, how do you work with your the community that you have and working with teaching? I know you work with people who are newer on their spiritual path who want to learn how to read the Akashic records themselves. So how do you work with people in that way? Well, I call on like um, ancient practices that I grew up with and, you know, the Vedas 
like we're taught to be um, scientifically accurate because they've been tested throughout very long periods of time. So the main work that we do is we go inward and we do chakra work. And like my hypnotherapy has helped with that as well. But we just explore our inner energy centers and our inner world to try to create that groundedness, to um, regain our confidence, to ignite creativity, to call in love, but also to be able to explore the aspects of ourself that existed before we were in this body. So the main part of my work is like you go inward and I'm just going to help you go as inward as you possibly can. Is that through like doing meditation, visualization practices? Yeah, like that meditation, um, uh, mainly meditation, but I just don't want people to think meditation is the only way I encourage like dancing. Like if you're playing music, it's about getting into that theta state, that zone of, um, where you're not like overthinking. And if you are overthinking, you're just observing your thoughts. It's right in between that place where your discernment comes in and you can, you can, feel the vibrational frequencies of the Akasha and gain information. It's it's in between the waking and asleep state. And that's what we're really training our bodies to do is to do it while we are conscious instead of... When you say gaining information, what types of information do you find that your students want to gain from accessing this? I think in the beginning, it's just like an exciting thing where it's like, how many past lives have I lived? How many, you know, what is this, like this situation that I'm in, how is that fixed? But I think after, um, working with me, um, or with like, I don't know, my meditations or practices throughout like years, like the questions that arise are like, how can I help my community? How can I help? How, what can I do today to like create more connection in in my world? So I think it always leads to like, it starts with the initiation of self, but it always leads to like that um, interconnectedness with um, the people around us. (laughs) How does it change someone's like vibration to be more of service and less just doing things purely for themselves? This is a great question. And the the place where I made this realization was when I was learning about the Persian Magi. Because I was exploring, I grew up as a Hindu, but I never really was into my own lineage, you know, and my DNA. So I started exploring the Persian Magi and this this thing that I learned about them like blew my mind, but they would spend years and years in the beginning going inward, just like the Rishis, just like Buddhists, like, you know, just going inward and channeling their energy centers and getting familiar with their, with their body, physical body. And the reason they did this for a year is because they believed that once you learn how to work with energy in this way, you can either use it for real magic, which is creating community, bringing this magic outward to make everyone's lives easier around you. Or you could use it for sorcery, which is like you only are self-serving and you want immediate, um, I don't know, like outcomes. Like, I hope that I get $10,000 tomorrow. That was the differentiation that the Persian Magi made in relation to magic and sorcery. And when I like when I learned that, it just like it blasted something open where I'm like, that's what everyone's doing now. They're like they're doing all this work to like serve themselves. And that's why magic was like so taboo for so long, because you can it doesn't when you're not serving everybody around you, it becomes this vicious cycle of self, you know, that really doesn't even serve you. It just makes you more and more uncomfortable in life. So that was like a big realization. That's I don't know if I answered your question. You did. And it's it's also kind of blowing my mind to think about that, because as I mentioned earlier, this like trending aspect of practicing manifestation, you know, and people trying to making their you know vision boards, which I think are amazing too to be able to visualize. But Mm -hmm. then it's about getting to the root of why you are wanting those things. And oftentimes we don't really want that car. We don't really want a million dollars. What we want is to feel worth, Mm 
right? Mm -hmm. Real like self-worth. What we want is to feel safety. We want to feel love. And it doesn't come from getting more material items. So although I think the vision board and and wanting to have a beautiful life for ourselves, you know, you can you can have those things. But you also it has to come from an authentic place of also how are we giving ourselves to the world? Like, are we like helping one another out? And, um, but it, but it's really tough because again, when we are so insecure and we're, we're so afraid, we can't see outside of ourselves. We're like tunnel vision. It's the judgment. We're afraid of being judged and outcast. And that, and that's like a really ancient thing that's in all humans. Because if you were different, like way back in the beginning of human times, like you were left out of the crowd. You didn't get to survive. So it's just this like, oh, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be different. I want to fit in, you know? It's <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's showing up a lot right now in the time we're living in. And you said, mm-hmm. you know, with everything that's gone on the past couple of years, we were having this real like root, we had this real root chakra th- issue, which is, which is that, that's that tribal chakra of like safety yeah. and do I fit in and like, uh, can I survive? And it's like, that's, yeah. that's chakra one, like, fuck, how are we going to get through, like moving through this like root issue to be able to like go to the ne- next one? I don't know if it works linear like that, but we're, you know, we're, it doesn't we're... work linear like that. It just goes like whatever is coming up, you know sure. what I mean? It's sure. not the straight linear thing that we think it is, but right now that's what needs more attention as what is what's going on. And, you know, that's kind of okay because it's bringing a lot of stuff to the surface so that we can, we can address it. If it was just hiding out there, we're just, you know, it's still build, 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 build over time. But now like it's been revealed, maybe not the whole picture, but a lot of it. So now what, where do we go from here? Now that we know that, what do we really want to create? What do we want like tomorrow to look like? Because now we know what was hiding under the surface. <laughs> and how you figure that out. Rohini, how do you, with your like students, where do we go from here? Like, how do they figure that out when they only know where they think they should go based on what other people have told them? Mm -hmm. And so that's that inward practice that you take people through journeying into the self to really connect with the truest part and the truth Mm -hmm. of who they are. And that truth is different for each one of us of how we want to show up or how we want to have have it manifest and it Mm -hmm. might not be what you thought it was which i think is a really that's the wild journey that you tend to go on when you do this work it can be a little disorienting at first from my experience doing this stuff um you are reorienting yourself with who you actually are yeah there's a lot of gunk to go through (laughs) which is really why it's important to not do it alone and be with and and be in community yeah (laughs) seriously what what do i really want the future to look like and how will it affect the people around me great question so where can people find you and i know that you're creating this new meditation app which you're telling me about before we got on so yeah tell (laughs) tell the listeners where they can find you how they can work with you and what this app is Thank you so much. Um, well, you can find me on magicincline.com. Everything's there. Things are always changing. I don't ever like just, <laughs> I change my mind a lot. But right now I'm working on um, a really cool app which I've been recording plant frequencies. Because I was like, how do I bring people closer to nature? Because we are nature. How do we reconnect with nature? I'm like, plant frequency, duh. And I'm conjoining that with like different types of binaural beats. And binaural beats are just frequencies that wake up both parts of your brain. And um, this is actually a practice that takes monks like 30 years to achieve. And I'm not saying it's a fast track or anything like that because the actual practice of it is more powerful, but we can get a glimpse of what it's like to wake up both parts of our brain using these modern technologies. So it's just, it's kind of like a quick sneak peek, but I also recommend working on that aspect without just relying on the binaural beats. When but anyway, plant, plant, frequency. plant frequency, binaural beat yeah. meditations to take you on like a really deep inward journey so that you can create that relationship with yourself. And in the app, we go through all the energy centers, but also I like to call it like 
the not so boring meditation app because um it's more about going on if you if you're not a visualizer just like the journey of the self it doesn't have to be visualizations but it's the stories that um bring us to this point so kind of astral stuff i love it <laughs> when you say plant vibrations though how do you get the sounds of these plants and what plants are these? I'm so curious. So many different plants. I got so obsessed with learning about this. So I partnered with this amazing company called um, music of the plants and they created this device in the seventies um, that oh, I have it back there, but it's this tiny little, it looks like a, like a little tiny iPod or something. And it has connectors that um, one part of the connector goes into the dirt and measures the, below frequency and there's a little tiny clip thing that you clip onto the leaf so it, it measures that type of frequency and um the plant is constantly emitting vibrations no matter what so it's just picking up on those waves and i can actually program it in different um scales so let's say i want this song to be in a c scale so the plant's frequency will play in that yeah. musical key which is really cool and i've had so much fun with it where can we all go myself and the listeners after we get off this podcast to listen to the sound of a plant because i am like i am doing that immediately after this podcast i want to hear a willow tree tell me how to find a sound i love it well i honestly if you go on um on youtube you can just google plant music i do have a meditation on there it's a binaural plant meditation with my monstera elbow so you can go listen to that it's just under magic incline it's a really nice meditation if you're just like it's it's even nice if you want to work it's the theta state where it just creates focus and calm but yeah it's all over the internet you can find oh, it amazing. my favorite site my partner's music of the plants <laughs> they have a lot of different plant sounds on there too. Yeah, definitely <laughs> going to be checking that out. Yeah, well, it's fun. Renee, thank you so much for coming on to the Juliet Root Show. See, guys, I remembered my Yay. new show name. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And I will link to all of Rohini's information in the show notes. And I uh, guess we're all going to be Googling some plant sounds right now. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank, thank you, Juliet. <laughs>